The following pre-recorded program is brought to you by Wrestling with the Inner Man. Welcome to Wrestling with the Inner Man, because the first fight we face each and every day is a fight with our flesh. Do we listen to our selfish, sinful nature or to divine nature guided by the Holy Spirit? Your host, David Savage, is a product of the West Texas desert and energy industry who recently received the biggest promotion of his life, reporting directly to the top boss, God. We hope you're ready to rumble because wrestling with the inner man begins now. Good evening, WWM listeners, and Happy New Year. Man, I hope that uh, you're ready for another year of topics that we wrestle with. So most of us begin a new year with great intentions that come with a fresh start. Many of us have made New Year's resolutions only to fizzle out and then feel like failures by Valentine's Day. It doesn't have to be this way, you know, especially when it comes to the culture war we find ourselves in today in 2023. Failure is not an option. The great institutions, which our Western civilization is founded upon, begin with Judeo-Christian values. Marriage between one man and one woman, the nuclear family, are the bedrock of this. These institutions have been under attack like never before, and I am pleading with each of you as listeners to engage in the battle this year with meaningful purpose and unwavering commitment. The purpose of this program is to offer content that might help train up young men and give older men greater purpose in mentoring their younger counterparts. Another term for training is discipleship. And my guest today has dedicated his life and ministry to discipling others to join Jesus on his mission. He has published a book by that same name and last year published his third book in the series titled Joining Jesus as a Family, which is the subject of today's episode. We had him on the show last year to discuss loving our neighbors. Pastor Greg Finke, welcome back to Wrestling with the Inner Man. Well, thank you, David. It is good to be with you and Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, Happy New Year. So, Pastor Greg, you know, for those who may not have heard our previous episode, you know, why don't you refresh our memories on Dwelling 114 and what you mean by missional living? Yeah, missional living, David, is is really, it's almost self-evident. It is that, you know, every day we have a purpose, we have a mission, and uh, we either are aimless about that, are ignorant about that, are... Uh, kind of uh, apathetic about that, or we can get every up every day, be clear about that, and live with a sense of purpose, live with a sense of mission. And what God has given us uh, by His grace through His Son is a simple but important mission, and that is to, as we have been loved, now let us go love others. Uh, if you will, God's love is our superpower, right? Yes. And so we want to go and live that purposeful life each day, freely having received, freely give, love your neighbor. Couldn't be simpler, even a little child could do it, but that's why we have to, you know, uh, like Jesus says, change and become like a little child. So Dwelling 114 simply helps people uh, think about their lives, be aware of the the day-to-day realities that they're already in the middle of, and now start to see that with God in the middle of it, with Jesus leading them so that they can live with purpose, live missionally uh, for the good of others. It's really the best way to live. And and 114 is John 114. What's that scripture? Yeah, dwelling 114 from John 114. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And it's just a reminder that Jesus, um, you know, as part of the living with 
the mission of the father, the purpose of his father. He intentionally spent time with, ate with, dwelled with people that needed the father's grace and truth. And if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we won't be just sitting in our comfortable circle of of people just like us discussing things in an echo chamber, but rather we'll get outside of our usual circles like Jesus did uh, and, and start to dwell with people that haven't experienced, don't know about the the just the amazing love of the Father, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. Right. Yeah, I know. I've seen way too many. Uh, I like the the word rudderless. Just just like people out there, they're just they're not really going anywhere. Just because you're floating doesn't mean you're really living. You know. And I like the mystery yep. living. So in your book, yep. Joining Jesus as a Family, you begin one chapter with one of my favorite quotes by Frederick Douglass. It is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. That rings so very true. And then you go on to say that uh, what we are currently doing in our attempt to raise lifelong followers of Jesus isn't working. So both Lifeway and Barner researchers estimate that between, this is a horrible number, 65 to 70 percent of teens leave the church and abandon their faith by their freshman year of college. Why is this happening, Greg? Yeah, well, and you know, the the sad thing is, David, this really isn't anything new. When I was at the seminary 100 years ago, <laughs> I read, you know, articles and papers about how, you know, th- despite the best efforts of our educational, uh, you know, church programming, uh, children were, were walking away right after those, you know, they quote-unquote graduated uh, at a rate of about 50%. So it hasn't gotten better. It's only gotten worse, but it's been something that has been a reality for a long time. And ultimately, you know, the the, the, the question why uh, is is very simple. It, it's in the middle of, of uh, this is a blinding flash of the obvious. Um, you know, Christianity is not first and foremost an academic pursuit. Uh, it's first and foremost a, a fruitful, fulfilling lifestyle enabled by God, led by His Spirit. And and frankly, you know, when we talk about uh, 60 or 70 percent of wa- young people walking away, I contend that they're not even walking away from the faith. They're, they haven't even experienced the faith yet. They've read about it, they've discussed it, they've studied it, they've memorized it. But they haven't really um, experienced it in, in the way that that the Bible invites us to. I like to use the illustration. Uh, a number of years ago, our family went to North Carolina, and we had the opportunity to do some whitewater rafting. Well, we had a, a pamphlet that we, we we found out about this particular place, and we read it through, and it was a you know, very well written uh, pamphlet. It was. Very exciting. It explained in, in detail all the excitement that we could expect if we took the ride. Well, it was so well written. Uh, my wife and I decided that's a good reason not to take the ride. <laughs> We're not, <laughs> not going to yeah. do that. That's a little too exciting for us. Uh, but my daughter and her buddies, they saw the same pamphlet. And they're like, Dad, can we do it? And and they did. They 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 got in the raft and 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 had the uh, the ride of their lives. When the ride was over, they were the adrenaline was pumping through. They had stories. They were excited. They wanted to do it again. Now, what what is kind of the backstory here is while they were out on the river taking the ride, my wife and I were back where they launched, rereading the pamphlet. In fact, we read the pamphlet over and over again. And frankly, even though the pamphlet still described the same exciting opportunity for us, we became, frankly, bored. Uh, Mm -hmm. Reading the same pamphlet over and over again, we just got bored, right? It wasn't the pamphlet's fault. 
the pamphlet's uh, purpose was to give us enough information so we could know how to get up and get in the boat and be a part of this amazing ride. And uh, we like to use that as an illustration of why people in the church are so bored. You know, when I read back in the Gospels, I don't see very many bored people, right? And yet, how did we make it so boring? And I think the reason is that we have been studying the faith, discussing the faith, reading the pamphlet over and over again. Again, it's not the pamphlet's fault. It's not the Bible's fault. The Bible's purpose is to give us enough information so we know what we can believe and know what the invitation of God is to actually get in the boat and take the ride with Jesus. And here's what we know when families and mentors do that with young people. They actually help them to experience what it's like to live a life of love out of being loved by God for the good of others in a variety of ways. They grow up convinced. They have experience. They have stories. They have adrenaline pumping through them, and they're ready to, when they leave the home, continue that lifestyle because, hey, why why would you live any other way? Right. And that's what we need to re and rediscover is helping kids not just study the faith, but experience the faith for the good of others. Man, so true. You know, and as an avid outdoorsman and Eagle Scout who loves whitewater rafting, this illustration, you know, truly resonated with me because we saw the same attrition with scout troops, you know, who did not offer enough mm. camping or high adventure activities. You know, so you can have troops that just meet. But if, if, if the young people aren't out getting experience, you know, they want to know what it feels like. They want to use all their senses. They want to smell things. You know, they want to feel the cold water hitting them in the face. You know, they want that that feeling, you know, of motion and movement, you know, as they're going down the river. And, and it's the same whether it's backpacking or something. They want to be out there experiencing it. And, uh, you know, teens just they want to gain experience to learn by doing things. And it's and it's similar in uh, in college versus careers. You know, at some point you have to leave the academic and the theoretical and begin a practice in fact, that's why in medicine they call it, when did you begin your practice? You know, mm-hmm. same with engineering. You know, so we don't want our children leaving home with their Christian faith. You know, this is from your book. They're untried, untested, and unconvinced. So uh, right. so you begin chapter four then, after we've kind of diagnosed the problem, with a quintessential question every parent must ask themselves. How then shall I live? So please explain that. Yeah, well, you know, Jesus in the Gospels, he, he teaches them. There's no doubt about that. He tells them what they need to know, tells and invites them what they can believe. But then he does this amazing thing, which every rabbi did back in the day, and that is he said, come follow me. In other words, let me show you what this looks like lived out in daily life. So not just knowing my teachings, but seeing what my teachings look like being lived out for others. And I want you to learn how to do that, too. So, again, kind of that exactly what you were talking about. And so if if we're, in a sense, uh, saying, hey, my my little child, uh, whether I'm a parent, grandparent, foster parent, mentor, um, you know, if I'm saying, hey, come follow me, the question is, what are they going to be seeing? What are they going to be experiencing uh, through the, the life that I'm living? Uh, bottom line is that God designed children to, to, to watch, imitate, absorb, and become a version of their parents or their, any of the significant people, uh, adults in their life. And so I, I need to ask myself, well, then, if they're watching me, imitating me, absorbing my example, and becoming a version of me, how how do I want 
how shall I live? What kind of life do I want them to be growing up to imitate? And, uh, and of course, you know, we can, we can have that kind of, um, abstract discussion, but God kind of clears it up in the gospel, in the, uh, in the New Testament, particularly where in, in Ephesians 5, 2, he says, live a life of love. Any questions? And so if I, if I want to, you know, really get it right, uh, how can I live in the abundance of the Father by the grace of the Son through the power of the Spirit? Uh, how can I live a life of love so that uh, my children are watching, imitating, absorbing, becoming a version of that? Yeah, that's so, you know, I think of that Lucky Strike commercial, but so old, or maybe there's more recent, but, you know, where the little boy sits down and his dad gets his cigarettes out and then the little boy does the same thing. And it's like they, they are, they're watching us, you know, and, and uh, Art yeah. Letter had the show, you know, kids say the darndest things. They, they say things that maybe sometimes we don't want them to say that are like <laughs> holding a mirror up, you know, uh, to us and like, you know, I need to be a little more careful because there's little ears yeah. uh, that are that are paying attention. So you have these. Well, and and then there's the quintessential, right? I I'll, I'm looking I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, holy cow! I'm becoming my dad or I'm becoming my mom, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. It does happen whether we like it or not. The 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 genetics uh, are inescapable. So you have these three discipling mm-hmm. priorities and true mm-hmm. identity, increased capacity, and growing ability. Why don't you uh, expand a little bit on what these three discipling priorities are? Yeah, real quickly, basically. When we look at the Gospels and we, we hear that the goal is to disciple us to not only, you know, live in the love, but live a life of love for the good of others, we, we understand that um, in our own nature, in our sinful nature, you know, the inner man, if you will, mm-hmm. is, is, is broken and will be incapable of that. And so, you know, certainly Jesus dies on the cross and rises again to take away our sins, to restore us. But then he not only wants to save us, he wants to train us. And in the Gospels, we see Jesus focusing on these three discipling priorities, we call them. And, uh, you know, there's, we can say there might be more, there might be uh, other ones. But I, in, in the book, we want to really clarify and simplify these three, because they're, they're pretty obvious in the Gospels. The first is, like you said, true identity. Jesus wants them to become convinced, even as he's convinced, of the Father's love and approval. You know, at his baptism, the the Father said, This is my Son with uh, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Mm -hmm. Before Jesus had even done anything, the Father was filling him with abundance so that he operated out of the abundance of being loved and approved by the Father. And we have that same gift through Jesus. You know, now Paul says, Now that we're in Christ. So my true identity is not a mess-up, is not a loser, is not a, a businessman, or, you know, all these other things that we can fill in the blank, who Labels, am I? Yeah, mm-hmm. my, yeah my, my true identity is a beloved, forgiven child of the Heavenly King. And if I uh, watch the Gospels, this is something Jesus tries to help his, his followers, his trainees, his disciples to be convinced of. And once they are uh, in, in the process of being convinced that, yes, the Father loves you, yes, the Father's for you, not against you, then we can go on to, you know, like you said, the, uh, the next one is, is increased capacity, uh, and that is that, that God wants us to, or Jesus wants us to trust his Father more and, and humble ourselves faster so that we're able to more uh, freely and generously offer that love to others. If I'm afraid... Uh, or I don't trust the Father, that automatically uh, causes me to 
pull back. If I'm full of myself or I think I have uh, or I am worthless, either either extreme uh, is really all about me. And so uh, I, that also will cause me to pull back either arrogance or worthlessness. And so we see in the Gospels Jesus putting the disciples into places where they learn that they uh, can trust the Father more, and they grow in that trust. And likewise, that, it, that it's wisest to get over ourselves, humble ourselves quickly so that God can work through us more, more, uh, more generously. Uh, and then the, 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 tr- the, uh, uh, the, the, the growing ability is some of those simple practices that we unpacked, first of all, in, in the first book, Joining Jesus on His Mission, but, you know, some simple daily practices that allow people in the, in the busyness and, and, uh, and fullness of daily life to be watching for what God's already up to, be able to recognize that and respond to that in, in, in how we uh, interact with people around us, whether those are strangers or, or people that we're with uh, on a daily basis. And so those three things, uh, uh, true identity, um, the increased capacity, and the growing ability are kind of those three categories that we see Jesus really focusing on, uh, not exclusively in the Gospels, but certainly as you read through, you go, yep, there it is again. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I'm, I'm really a big fan of this new series, uh, The Chosen, and, you know, how yeah. it's dramatically acted and how the characters of the disciples are, you know, they're just like real people, man. They're really struggling. They're arguing. They're bickering. You know, they're brothers, uh, you know, and, and I think it's portrayed well in the show. And it is. It's that daily living and like, you know, so he's he's sending them out, you know, and they're like, what? You know, we're not prepared. But, you know, you're right. It, we shrink when by fear. You know, fear just causes yeah. us to shrink back and then pride also. Then there's no room for anything else. It may be like you've expanded on one so that there's no room for anything else. And then you shrink, you know, when you're fearful. And so I think that increased capacity and then the growing ability, seeking the kingdom, hearing from him in the Gospels, talking with people, doing good. It's really pretty simple. And it is daily, right? That's the difference. It's not just going yeah. to church, punching a ticket. And I think also of the, you know, the scripture where he talks, uh, Paul is like admonishing them for like, you know, when, when are you going to get off the baby food, you know, and, and let's get yeah. to the real meat, you know, because there's a lot of people I know that just keep wanting to go to another study, another study. And it's like, hey, you got to get out there, you know, and do stuff. Yeah. And, and it's messy. So now. Well, and one thing we like to really say is clarity leads to intentionality. So if I get up every day. And I know what are those little things that I can work on putting into practice. Like anything, we get better at it. We're not perfect. We, we, we will still make mistakes. But, you know, we're no longer the rookie. We're, we're starting to be that, that experienced veteran. And so that's where we really um, kind of then wrap around this uh, with a, a, a simple discipling process that, that we, again, uh, observe in Jesus and we, you know, kind of say, well, let's just, let's not make up a new one. Let's take Jesus. Right. And it's, it's um, teach them, show them, send them, and then circle up with them and share the stories. And what, what that means is, yes, they do need to know the facts and figures of the faith. You know, like Paul says, how will they know unless they hear? So, you know, we need to help our children know what they can believe and, and, um, and, and why they can believe it. And certainly the church, you know, can be a great partner in that with our preachers and teachers. But then there is the show them. And that, that's where, you know, parents, particularly grandparents, foster parents, we need to realize that I need to live this out myself so they can see that. 
and and so we we need to show them what it looks like to 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 live this life and uh again we won't be perfect we won't get it right all the time we won't be super spiritual but we need to show them what it looks like to live out our faith for the good of others. That'll be powerful. And then send them uh, simply means, like you said a moment ago, um, you know, they need to gain their own experience. They need to make their own boo-boos. They need to learn from those, get better at it. And so we're sending them every day anyway. We're sending them to daycare, to school, to practice, et cetera. So let's send them with that sense of clarity of who they are and what they're there to do. And, um, and, and, and then the you know every time we send them out of course when they come back that's the circle up and and share the story so whether it's whether you know the kids are piling into the suv for us to head off to practice after school or whether it's at dinner time or whether it's at bedtime to, to take some time to say hey what happened today as you were living the life of love as you were living as a follower of jesus what did you see what did you experience what did you hear what conversations did you have what went well what didn't go so well and that uh, simple rhythm with our, our families day by day really uh, helps form deeply that, that sense of, of, of love, being loved, and then living a life of love, uh, not just theoretically, not just as, as a Sunday school lesson, but as the, the daily experience and the value of sharing the stories, you know, us sharing our stories with the children and the children sharing their stories with us becomes this powerful thing that just really makes it very concrete and real. And, and the kids are excited because God is, you know, Jesus is their personal friend, not just somebody they're right. studying about on Sunday. Well, that, you know, when I was a ranger at Philmont, this was exactly what we did. You know, we're hiking out with them, you know, we're showing them, teaching them. And then, and then you, you let them do it on their own if they make mistakes reading the map or, you know, how to avoid bears in the campsites and things like that. And then you circle up and go, okay, well, what went wrong? And then you review it and, Actually, a career in sales was the same way. So I didn't know I was using Jesus' discipling rhythm, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but it works. You know, it's just effective teaching, right? Best practices. Yeah, so, Greg, so where can uh, where can folks get this book? And uh, and what final thoughts would you like to leave with our audience? Yeah, well, either on Amazon.com, uh, that's probably the fastest way. If uh, if if people though are interested in maybe sharing this with a, a small group. Uh, then, you know, contact me at dwelling114.org, and I would certainly be happy to give uh, quantity discounts. So either Amazon.com or dwelling114.org, uh, either one will work. Um, and then, yeah, let me, just, let me just assure people, the good news is that you're already discipling your children. The life you're living now is the life you are um, uh, uh, showing them, teaching them, uh, raising them up to live. And so if you want to have that be a, a little different life than what you're showing them now, just start living that life. Live a life of love for the good of others. Um, and and uh, uh, what you, the, the old saying, what they see is what they'll be. Uh, I can assure you that, that that is biblical and that it's actually how it works. All right. Well, super. Well, I want to just plug our, our sponsor here. You know, when all seems lost or you're rudderless in terms of your belongings because you've had a, a flood or a lightning strike or something, remember that Prism Specialties is in the restoration business. They can restore your electronics, your textiles, your artwork, or anything that may have been damaged. So Prism can help you restore and recover those valuables. And we thank uh, Prism for sponsoring the program. Please email us at wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com to offer input, suggestions, or feedback on Greg and uh, this program. Remember, the book is Joining Jesus as a Family, available on Amazon. And I'll just close real quick, quickly with a prayer. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Pastor Greg Finke and his ministry, you know, that he's out there showing people daily living, and he has this discipling rhythm, he has these three points, and really knowing your true identity is where it begins. Like in this show, The Chosen, where they've had this debrief with these uh, Gen Zers, you know, and they're really kind of discovering, well, you know what? God loves me, and just help everyone to receive that message to begin 2023 and then begin joining Jesus as a family. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. AM 1070, The Answer, Wrestling with the Inner Man. Thanks for listening to Wrestling with the Inner Man. With David Savage, we believe the winners in this ring. Courageously follow God's word. Love and protect God's woman. Excel at God's work. Batters God's world and his children. For more information, reach out to David at wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. That's wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. Tune in next time as Wrestling with the Inner Man tackles more tough topics to train up a generation of better men.